All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. This morning, we're going to be in Psalm 119. We'll start that long, long, long psalm, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And I'll go over a few of the things that are coming up in the next few weeks or so, if we can. Um, Great. Sunday, May 21st, after the second service, we'll have another meeting about the Easter presentation and about the building of the path out back. If you don't know what that is, that's where we're going to have, similar to a live nativity, but a walking event where you go for Easter instead of Christmas. Um, And so we're just building that and getting ready for next Easter uh, and starting that discussion as well as probably get going on it pretty soon here. So um, anyway, that's going to be May uh, 21st if you want to join us for that. If you have signed up and you're a part of that group, love to have you walk with us or join us for that meeting. If not, uh, and you you want to be involved in that, just come. We'd love to have you. Uh, The more the merrier. We're going to need a lot of help with this. Um, Teen night, May 21st. Again, that's later on that day. Five to eight uh, here at the uh, Fellowship Kirk uh, kickball, indoor games and stuff, and and there'll be a dinner and, and then a teaching also. And then the men's retreat coming up June 9th through the 10th at Mazingo. Uh, that's coming up, and there should be flyers out there. If there's not, I'll get some more made. I, I didn't check on my way in. I was late this morning. Uh, July 8th at 6.30, we're going to have a, a, a live worship night with Brooke, and uh, that's exciting, breaking chains, and, and, and we're going to join with them and bring her in for a special night of worship. So invite your friends and come on out for that. And, oh yeah, kids camp. Sign-up sheets are out there. Please get signed up for the camp coming up here. We'd love to have as many as possible. We have 67 slots, so the sooner the better for you. And um, all the information's on that sheet out there. I think that's it. Awesome. Let's pray and we'll get into God's Word. Lord, we thank you for this psalm. Um, So important. Your Word is so important. Uh, And the psalmist just takes a lifetime to write this beautiful, uh, well-crafted, well-thought-out psalm. A beautiful, uh, uh, just honoring your Word. How important it is. Not only uh, just the spoken word, but also your your text, the the written word, and and that uh, you do such wonderful work with that if we'd heed and listen. And so this morning, as we study, as it's a part of your word and the longest chapter in the Bible, it's that important to you. So Lord, we pray that it's very important to us in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Psalm one nineteen is an acrostic. Psalm, which means they take a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters, and so there's 22 sections to Psalm 119. Each letter of the Hebrew alphabet has eight verses. Just a little information for you there. Each verse begins with that letter as they goes as it, as the psalmist takes us through this uh, beautiful uh, writing. Um, we'll learn the the alphabet, <laughs> the Hebrew alphabet, as we go through this. Um, The emphasis of this entire chapter is upon the Word of God, the written Word especially, um, because that's what God uses to change us. Um, I struggled studying for this this morning, I'll just be honest with you, and um, sat there, I don't know how long, I mean it's been all week, but this morning I'm still like, you know, where's the, not the hook, 
but the theme or the, the how does it all tie together? And he, he just gave it to me during worship time. And I'm so thankful, you know. Uh, I, I don't like it when he does that, but he doesn't care. Uh, um, and here's the thing. Here's what he showed me. I'll just get right to the point. Um, the emphasis of this is God's word. And as I'm watching, I'm listening to the worship and the singing, and then I focus on the drum playing, and then the the the, the bass player here, and the and the singer over here, and I listen to the and I'm looking around at the backs of all your heads because I came in late because I was late, so I was sitting in the back, so I was looking at all your backs of your heads. I was worshiping, but I was still staring at you all, and thinking about how different every one of you is, and all of a sudden just came to me God's word. Um, God is an artist. We know that. He loves variety. He loves beauty. He's very much an artist. And um, the Word of God is what He uses to paint with in our lives. That's how He paints us. Um, And at times, there's just a few brush strokes a day or a few brush strokes. And you know how artists are. They come to their painting and they do some work and they walk away and they step back and they look at it. And my favorite painting style is an impressionist. I'm, that's what I like. I appreciate that. I'm not, I don't like the, the real photorealistic kind of paintings, although they're very wonderful. I love impressionists. I just, I always have. It's just, um, and, 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 and as I think about the beauty of each one of your personalities and the people that I know who love the Lord, um, this is the paint that he uses. And here's why I say it this way. Because the word of God is not to be worshipped, but it is to be understood that the artist who uses this is to be worshipped. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this is the paint he uses. Is that, that's how important this is. He doesn't go beyond this. This is the only paint he has, and this is what he uses. So as we go through this, he's going to talk about several times getting that as much of it, God's word, into your heart because that's what he uses to paint the, the artwork that is you. Um, so that's the, that was what I was waiting for all week long. So there, now you can tune out. You got it. You don't even have to listen the rest of the time. But listen to the heart of this psalmist. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. The the blessing of not walking in a defiled way is, is everything in life. We get confused sometimes and uh, that if it's not defiling, it isn't fun, you know. Uh, a, a, a Christian walk is a boring walk, as some see it that way. I I was reflecting on my life, and I had difficulties, um, but 90% of all my regrets and problems and sins were wrapped up in about three years of my life. It isn't that long of a time period. I think of all the things that happened in those three years, between the ages of, well, 17 and 19, which is more than that, I know, it's, it's but or less than that, but 16 to 19, right around there, just a lot of problems in my life. And most of them related to alcohol, but um, those were the times that I thought were the most fun. But every, every, 
event or day or night that I spent partying or doing whatever it was that I was doing that I thought was the fun thing to do at the time. There was so much regret afterwards. There was so much shame, guilt, um, unraveling, untying, undoing things I said, uh, trying to take things back, trying to manipulate things to where it wasn't as bad. uh, Damage control, basically. That's how I spent the next week or whatever afterwards. And it was a life of that, you know, for, for not very long. And I'm thinking about now, as I've been a born-again believer, and I'm walking in the ways of the Lord, and I'm trying to obey His Word, how much, first of all, easy it is to live a life. You don't have to undo the things that you said in sin. You can stand upon the truth. You can stand without shame or guilt or regret. You can, it's so, it's so much more fun <laughs> To, have no, to not have that stress, to not have that anxiety, to not have that concern, that, that weight on your shoulders, because I just walked the way I was, I just did what I was supposed to do, you know? What a blessing that was. And, and that's what he says, blessed are the undefiled in the way. It is a blessing to walk that way. It isn't a drag. It isn't boring. It is a blessing who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. That means does them. Who seeks him with a whole heart, not, not halfway, not tries to, you know, <laughs> you make a pie and you need to have pure ingredients for it to be tasty. You can't, you can't make a pie and add, a, well, some horse droppings to it and expect most of it to be okay. You know what I mean? I, I, I was very careful in choosing my words right there. It, 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 you, it's got to be, you got to be all in on this pie or, or you've ruined it. Everything else that was good in that pie has now been turned not good. You get what I'm saying? The whole heart given over to God makes a beautiful, beautiful pie. A beautiful picture and uh, artwork, you know, a painting but a, a halfway or even a even off a little bit is is uh, you know, and that's what the writer's getting at here. Blessed, it's a blessing. Verse four, you have commanded us to keep your precepts precepts diligently. The writer understands that it's a command. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's not something that I weigh. It's a command from our God. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Oh, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. The writer there makes a very good confession, I think, for all of us. He knows very well that it's a command of God to keep his precepts and then follows up immediately with, I wish I would, which means he doesn't all the time. I think that's one of the most important things we can learn as Christians and be able to teach other people is not that we're all imperfect and accept that, but know that when imperfect or imperfection comes into your life, there's a way back to God. That's the whole point. He never wants us to be content in imperfection. I never want to be that way. I never want to sit there and say, this is just who I am. I'm just not a perfect person. I would never put a bumper sticker like that on the back of my car. You know, because that's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm being conformed into is to a perfect person. I'm being conformed into the image of Christ. That's my goal. 
I don't want to boast about the fact that I, I'm never going to attain or can't attain. I'm, I'm going there, you know. And so he says the right thing here for all of us. You know, he, he doesn't come off as a high horse kind of guy. Blessed are those who are undefiled, who walk in the ways of the Lord, like me. You know, that's not what he says. You've commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. I know that. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Oh, I wish I would. Then I wouldn't be ashamed when I looked into your commandments. When I read the Bible, I don't have to be ashamed anymore. I don't have to read it and say, oy vey, you know, there I am again, you know, falling short. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, so do not forsake me utterly. And of course, he doesn't. But I think we need to say that out loud sometimes to God. I don't think that's a lack of faith to look at God and say, please don't forsake me. You know, even David said that. Do, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, would he? Well, I guess he did for Saul. It's possible. But the fact that, and this is one of the questions that comes up a lot, and I want to put a lot of people at ease, I hope. Because as you talk about perfection, you talk about sin, you talk about lacking a lot. And, and even last Wednesday's teaching, there's a lot of, wait, I don't even know if I'm saved then after that teaching. That's not the point. That's not, that's not what we were getting at on Wednesday. The idea is, if you're concerned, like this psalmist is, please don't forsake me. You know what that means, right? I mean, you're my father in heaven, and I love you with all my heart, and I hate the things I do which are displeasing to you. That's the heart of a child of God. You have that heart then. You are a child of God. Yeah, that's the, that's the spirit in you confirming. <laughs> Abba, Father. You don't say, Abba, Father, you know, uh, everything is going great. I'll talk to you next week. It's Abba, Father, I can't believe where I am today, and I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was someplace else with you, closer to you, not so far away from you. That's a, that's, a, that's a son walking back to his dad, or that's a son who understands where his hope lies in his dad. That's a prodigal son looking for his dad, looking for him, you see. You're saved, you just wish you didn't do some of the things you did or a lot of the things you did, and you want that to change in your life. That's a wonderful place to be. That's conviction. That's what he's talking about. I wish I, I, wish I didn't have such shame when I read your word. And shame's okay. <laughs> We've gone too far the other way with this. And, and I understand the verse. You know, He takes away all of our guilt and shame. Yes, <laughs> he does, but how do I word this so I don't think that everybody should be shamed as they leave the church here today, but we don't want to ever get to that place where I am who I am, like it or not, and if you can't put up with me on my worst day, you can't have me at my best day. That's the attitude of today. That's not our attitude with God. It shouldn't be anyway. I should read God's word and see what he loves and see that I didn't do it, and there should be some conviction that comes into my life at that point. That's totally normal and, and, and right, you know. Nobody likes to be caught by their mom and dad lying, you know. I lied. And that feeling you feel. Now, you either deal with that feeling because you've lied and your parents have caught you lying. You either deal with that feeling by saying, I lied, I'm sorry, and you own up to it. Or... You justify it, you get bitter, you build up a wall, you push them away and say, don't judge me, I can lie to whoever I, you know, there's two ways to handle it. Conviction is, is important. 
Because if I'm doing that to people here on this level, it's very easy for me to do it this way then. You know, just much more easy for me to look up at God and say, you know, the writer keeps himself in that tender place. And it comes from reading his word openly, with an open heart, ready to receive correction, ready to receive encouragement, but ready to receive whatever dad has for me. I'm going to his word. I find that true more and more. As I get older, I don't need less of the word. I need more of it. The word of God is the paint. Um, Let me switch metaphors. The word of God is like in the hands of the Holy Spirit. It's like oil on a baseball glove to me. And the older that glove gets, the more oil it needs to keep it soft and pliable, not fall apart and crack. I just know that to be true in my life. I don't need less. I don't, I'm not getting it to where I'm like, yeah, I know, I know all that stuff already. I, I'm beyond this now. I need more of it to keep myself oiled up and soft and pliable. So important. And that's all the writer's saying. I understand they're commanded. I wish I'd keep them. But when I don't, I pray that you don't forsake me utterly. Verse 9, the second letter. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That was one of the most impactful verses I ever read when I first got saved and still to this day. How do I get cleaned up? Where do I start? You know, I just got born again. I'm just saved. How do I undo all this? How do I get on the right path? How do we even know what that path is? Or how do I discover that? And I read that verse. It's like, how does a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Not only reading his word, meditating on it, but I take heed to it. I listen to it like I listen to any other warning this world has to offer me. You know, slow down, slippery when wet, curve ahead, bridges out. I take heed to God's word like I'm reading those kind of signs. I don't say, well, that bridge is out for everybody else, but not for me. (laughs) If it's out, it's out, you know? And that's the key. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can he get back? How can he find his way? How can he see his path and see what God wants for him? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I've sought sought you, only uh, let me not wander from your commandments. It covers a lot there. I listen, I read it, I receive it with my whole heart, and then on the back side of it, please don't let me walk away from that later on. You know? When he says the word law earlier on here, we, we skipped over that word. He uses different words to describe the word of God throughout this entire psalm. One of them um, is the law. Keep the law. And what he means is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The law, Moses's books, and if you didn't know, I'll tell you this: there's a there's a controversy. You know, we don't really know who wrote it. It doesn't really matter. Um, since we don't know who wrote the first five books of the Bible, yet most of Israel and most of the historians throughout the beginning believe that Moses wrote them. It may as well be him. Why do we have to find somebody else? Who cares? Let's just go with Moses. Great. You think about Moses's beginning. He was with his mom for how long? About. Until he was weaned is all. Now, we don't know how long that is. I mean, we push it to five. It's pretty rare that you see a baby not weaned by five. Okay. 
But let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he was five when he went into the Pharaoh's household, when he was finally given up by his mother and brought into Pharaoh's household, and she had to walk away and let him learn Egyptian. She had five years to pour into this little kid's heart. Five years to train him up in the way that he should go. You know, And then when she passed him off over to Egypt, like the worst thing you could possibly do, spiritually speaking, He had a rough go of it. He had a a good understanding, a good baseline, but it wasn't until he was 80 that he fully understood what God wanted him to do. The point is, pouring into your kids the Word of God is the most important thing you can do for them. Load them up with as much paint as possible. Fill them. Keep pouring on them. Give God as much to work with as you can to paint them. I don't know how long you're going to have them. I don't know how long they're going to be with you. Pour in as much of God's Word. There's nothing else you can add to God's Word that is better for your children than just pure paint and let Him work with it. Now, He'll, he'll draw them and paint them the way He wants to paint them. And I was watching our kids yesterday. They all came over for kind of a, an early Mother's Day and, and celebration kind of thing. And I'm watching all 16 of these people running around, every one of them so different. And yet there was a common theme to all of them. Now, there wasn't a drop of alcohol in our, at our house. And we had one of the greatest days ever. Everybody had clear thoughts. Everybody had wonderful conversations. Everybody remembers those conversations today. Nobody has regrets. You know, there was just this beautiful time that we had. And as different as they all were, there was a common theme, just like I believe an artist has. Now, that's a different picture. That's a different picture. That's a different But you can tell they're all Monet. You can tell. You can see it. You know, it's the same style. It's the same. Every one of them had, the, had, had God's artist's signature on each one of them. It was beautiful to watch, you know. And I see these young mothers, in our family anyway, just pouring in to these little kids as much paint as possible, not only in the way they conduct themselves or carry themselves around these little kids living their own life in Christ, but pouring the word of God into them that God might do with with them what he wants to do. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that takes place. Verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I value God's word as much as anything else this world finds value in. More so. And that's just something every person has to ask themselves. Is God's word that important? Do you spend as much pouring into your kids God's word as you do work ethic. It's far more important. It's far more valuable. And I, and I, would, I would go as far as to say, when the Bible says everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in the knowledge of him, there's two things there that it says God's word does for you. Everything that pertains to life, everything. Everything this life has to offer. Work ethic, comes from you studying God's Word. 
loving your wife, loving your husband, or loving your future wife, or loving your future husband comes from God's Word. Making money, saving, being thrifty, being, being careful, being generous at the same time, all comes from reading God's Word. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found there. And godliness is the way you walk. Life is the way you live it, but godliness is the way, that's the motive. That was the part that Paul had the hardest time with. I can, I can not murder. I, I can not steal. I can not commit adultery. Those are all things I can do, Paul said. But when it, it's talked about coveting, that was something that was inside of Paul's heart, and that's what broke him. How do I not covet? How do I fix that? The other things are things I don't do. That's easy. I just put my hands behind my back and sit down. But I can't do anything about my thoughts or my motives or my heart. How do I change that? That's a work of God. That's the godliness he's talking about. I can live a Christian life and not be godly, believe it or not. My motives are impure. My thoughts are impure. My heart is impure. But on the outside, nobody would know it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness are found in the Word of God. Pouring God's Word into your heart takes care of both of those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's the most important thing. Letting your kids digest God's Word in their hearts, in their lives, is the most important thing you can feed them. And he's just bringing that up. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. <laughs> and the meditating goes, I, I shouldn't break that up. Let me read verse 17 because it's the third letter. Or I was going to try to stop there, but... I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Now, I say that with a question at the end because he just said he does these things. He reads the word. He hides the word in his heart. He knows what he's supposed to do. But then he follows up with, now, now that I've done that, Open my eyes to see it. Please don't hide your commandments from me. There's some processing that needs to take place. There's some things that God does by His Spirit with the Word of God that begins to take place in my heart. But I've, I've got to have both. I've got to have God's Word hidden in my heart for sure. I've got to know it. I've got to read it for Him to have the material to work with. But then I have to have the artist come in and use it in my life to make it work, to make it beautiful, and not just a bunch of buckets of paint, you know? Nobody, nobody brings out, you know, five-gallon five buckets. Of, Look at that. I mean, isn't that beautiful? I was like, hmm? be better if it was on a wall or a house or on a canvas of some kind, you know? I don't know, but I got it all. I got all the paint. You got to have the Holy Spirit. You got to let him work. And he knows that. And he's telling us that. And he's telling anybody that read this psalm that. Deal bountifully that I may live and keep your word. That's a bountiful life. 
Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Things I didn't see on my own. Things that only you could show me, you know. I think that's why I like Impressionists so much, is you just keep staring. You know, you, you walk into the room, and it's on the wall across for usually 20, 30 feet is how big the, the museum is. And you see it, and you, you get the picture, you know. I don't know if it's Saturday in the park or Sunday in the park. I can't remember which it is. They're in the park's favorite painting. And you see it. Oh, what a great day. They're all in the park. And you get closer, and you get closer, and you get closer, and you begin to see more and more and more in the depth. And then when you finally get so close that you can actually see the strokes, if you can get that close, a lot of times you can't. You can online, but you can't like in person a lot of times. And you see the strokes, and you realize the painstaking process it took for the artist to do that. I mean, it's just a... Are you kidding me? You know, are you kidding me? And then you bend it back up again and you appreciate it in a whole new light. You realize what he's done for the artist, he or she, whoever they are. Not this painting. I know who did this painting, but any painting. You know, I don't know a lot of you like I'd like to know you. I don't. Um, but anytime I do get to know you a little bit better in a different um, environment than this, this is a little formal, you know, um, I see a little bit more. I appreciate God's hand in your life, honestly. And I can see that. Now I know, see from here, I'm just looking at a bunch of pictures from 20, 30 feet away. I know that. And the people next to you have seen you a lot closer and they know you a lot better. And there's just a, there's a beautiful thing that takes place when that happens. And, I, and I don't, I'm not expected to know every inch of your life. Can't happen. Won't happen. But there are people in your life that do. And there are people that you have in your life that you need to do that with also. To look for God in their life and to look, the, look at the paint strokes. To see those things that he's done in their life. To recognize those and appreciate those. You know, Focus on those. Marvel at those, I think. That's what I get from this as I'm reading this. He's, he's, these are wondrous things from your law. I don't know that I've ever read a law, human law, where I did, oh, that's wondrous. It would never cross my mind. Like, that's restrictive. That's usually what I, I mean, you know, I'm a little conservative, you know. <laughs> Too many laws. <laughs> anyway, open my eyes. He asked the right person. God, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful to have the artist walk you through the museum? Most of them are dead, but I appreciate anyway. To walk you through and say, can you tell me what you were thinking here? You know, oh yeah, I remember that. And we have a God who wants to have that kind of conversation with us. Now, I'm reading this and I appreciate what it says. I'm looking at it from, a, you know, 20 feet away. But what is it? What's in here? What's going on here? What were you thinking here? And have that Holy Spirit come alongside you and say, this is what I was thinking. You know, it's neat. It's neat that we can do that. That we don't have a dead religion. That we don't have a dead philosophy. We have a living, the, the Word of God is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to do a lot more than we think it can, I think. Verse 20, my soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, 
who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant uh, meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. He's admitting that there is some pushback and some consequences from being this kind of person. Even back then when he's writing this, it's the same today. It's no different. When you believe that God's word is alive, when you have, you have so much resting and writing upon God's word, and you tell someone else who doesn't have that same passion or understanding, they do think you're strange. They just do. And he just says exactly what we're thinking. I know there's a lot of people that speak against me because of the, my love I have for your word, but mm, I don't care. I like that. I don't care if it's princes that speak against me. Your servant, your servant, I'm not their servant, meditates on your statutes and your testimonies. They're my delight, my counselors. Those are strong words. My soul breaks with longing. Your testimonies are a delight. Now, as a parent, you try to tell your kids that God's word is supposed to be a delight. Even from up here, that's what I'm here to do. God's word is a delight. You believe me. It doesn't work, does it? You're like, "Mm mm-hmm. You have to discover that. You have to. You lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of thing. It's the same idea. It's the same thought. Oh, this is the best water ever. This is living water. Anybody that drinks of this will never thirst again. Give me some of that living water. Oh, if you knew who it was that you asked. Yeah. Anyway, you've got to discover that. Every person has to realize that. He realizes that because he did one thing. He cleansed his ways by heeding the word, and he waited for the, the consequences of heeding the word, and the consequences were good. And that feeling and that emotion and that relief that came from obeying God's word and the beautiful consequences that came from obeying God's word, I want more of that in my life. And all of a sudden you develop this beautiful taste, love, passion for what God has to offer you. You can't wait for the next meal for him to bring out to you. You can't wait to taste and see what God has for you and that it's good. I think we better stop there today. We have communion. So Put a bookmark there on verse 24. And this is a <laughs> 22 long, so we got through four of them. To, or let's say one, two, three, three of them today. I'll try to go, we'll try to go faster, but so it's not two months in this one psalm, but that's where we are today. That's where we are today. As the guys are handing out the communion here, which is just a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice to remind us it's a it's a picture of what Christ did for us on the cross it's the it's the example he used at the last supper as he and his disciples were seated together having this passover meal together the last dinner they would ever have together and they had many meals together he took the bread and he lifted it up and he blessed it and he broke it and he says take and eat to his disciples as often as you eat this do this in remembrance of me this is my broken body for you. Of course, they didn't exactly know what that meant, but they would the next day. The same manner, he took the cup that they were all drinking from, and he lifted it up, and he blessed it. 
So this is the cup of my new covenant with you. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And the new covenant of his blood was this, that he was going to die on the cross for their sins. He would be the lamb that takes away their, their sin. He's the sacrifice that they'd all been waiting for. His body would be broken the next day. His blood would be shed and they would be forgiven. And we're reminded of that this morning. That it won't be my body that's broken. It won't be my blood that's shed. That he did it for me. And me eating and drinking this is an acknowledgement that I'm trusting in that. I'm waiting on that. I'm hoping in that. That when I die, that God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Because I trusted in his son. I trusted in the way that the father provided for me to get to heaven. I took that path. That's the path of Jesus. This morning, if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't accepted that free gift of of forgiveness and salvation, I pray that you do that this morning. Only you can do that. Again, the word of God is very precious to me. But in order for it to be precious to you, it has to become that to you. You have to appreciate it. You have to experience it. You have to know it for yourself. Likewise, the forgiveness of sins and the salvation I have in Jesus, that's something you have to do. Can't do it for you. And so we pray that you do this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning, this time we've had together in your word, worshiping with song, with this prayer right now, and with this time of communion, reflecting on what you've done for us, reminded of what you've done for us. For those of us who've been believers and are believers and are walking with you, God, we thank you for this this time. It reminds us, it's a humbling time, but it's also a, a relieving time, a peaceful time, knowing that the work is completed, it's done. That my salvation is secure. I don't have to wonder, work, or be worried about what comes next. It's all taken care of. I know that I'll be with you forever. For those that don't know you this morning, they want to receive you and receive this forgiveness. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for making a way when I I couldn't fix myself and I couldn't make atonement for all of my sins. You made atonement for me. And it was accepted by your Father. And I I received that forgiveness this morning. In my heart, I believe it. I trust in you for my salvation. I believe that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because of what you did at the cross. I'm resting my whole eternity upon that truth. And so I leave myself in your good hands. Now, I want to be like this psalmist. I want to be cleansed of my ways. I I want to start walking with joy in my heart, with, with freedom and peace liberty. I want to live the abundant life that you have for me, God. And I want to start that today. So as I study your word, as I spend time reading it, help me to heed it, to listen to it, to change my ways and conform myself to your word and let you do in my life what you've always wanted to do. Make me into that beautiful person. Let me yield, Lord, to your spirit. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name.